Thanks for joining us for this recording from the Southdale Church of the Nazarene in Anderson, Indiana. I'm Pastor Brad Burrow, and I'm glad you're listening. It's Advent season, and we're preparing for the coming of Jesus the Messiah with a series we're calling A Thrill of Hope. Even though at times things in our world might seem almost hopeless, Advent reminds us that God is busy making all things new. Thanks again for listening. Now here's the message. Me to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 1. If you don't have a Bible, there should be one in the pew for you that you can use. Uh, you're also free to get on your smartphone or your tablet and use the YouVersion Bible app. We like to recommend that. But one way or another, find your way to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1. And I'm going to begin reading this morning at verse 39. Luke writes, At that time Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. And Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we are one more time going to open your word and listen for you to speak. I pray that as we move into this, this time of study together that your spirit would be faithful to your word. Pray Almighty God that it would be your voice that we hear, not mine. That you'd give all of us the ears to hear what your Spirit wants to say to your church today. Let your Word become living and active among us. And let it cut to the very heart of the issue for us today. And as your Spirit leads... We will be obedient. We ask these things and we promise these things in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior and our Lord. Amen. 
Have you ever found yourself thinking, what in the world did I just say yes to? I, I Call it what you want. Call it having second thoughts, calling it getting cold feet, call it feeling buyer's remorse. I, you can even get fancy. Call it an acute case of post-decision dissonance. I don't care. Call it what you want. Have you ever felt that? What in the world did I just say yes to? I don't know how. Maybe you've been planning to make a big purchase. You've been saving up your money and you've been considering all of your options and finally the day comes and you decide to pull the trigger. You walk into the store, you put your money down on the counter and now you're walking out with that thing you just bought underneath your arm. And as you walk out the door, suddenly it hits you. Did I, did I make the right choice? What did I just say yes to? Or maybe it was a decision. Maybe, maybe you've been planning for your future and considering all the possibilities and weighing your options and finally the day came and you walked into your boss's office and you laid your letter of resignation down on his or her desk and, and now you're walking out of the office for the, for the very last time and you sit down in your car and you think to yourself, what did I just do? Or maybe your mom and dad have been bugging you to show up at church. And then this week... Your mom pulled the hole. You know, the only thing I want for Christmas is for my kids to be in church with me on Christmas Sunday. And so you're here sitting in the pew, listening to some guy in a gray coat talk about second thoughts, and you're starting to have some of your own, you know? You're thinking, what in the world did I say yes to? I, I don't know how. I don't know when. Whatever you called it, whatever it's caused. Have you ever felt that? You know, that feeling. What did I just say yes to? If you have felt that way, would you hold on to that thought for just a second? Grab a hold of that feeling and, and remember what it felt like, because maybe, just maybe, that, that feeling will help you connect to our story for today. Because I don't know for certain, but I imagine Mary had a moment when she asked that question of herself. By the time we get to the text I read earlier, Mary has already said yes to God. The stuff we watched at the beginning of that cute little video with the kids, that had already happened. The angel Gabriel had already showed up. Hail Mary, full of grace, God is with you. Uh, Mary had already puzzled at what that greeting might possibly mean. And, and the angel had already explained what was about to happen. You're going to conceive, and you're going to give birth to a son, and you're going to give that boy the name Jesus. And Mary has already voiced her questions. How is that possible? I, I've never had sex with anybody. The angel has already explained that this conception isn't going to be a natural thing. This is going to be a supernatural thing. This child that you are going to conceive will be conceived miraculously. He'll be conceived of the Holy Spirit, and he will appropriately be called the Son of God the Most High. Man, that, all that has already happened before we get to the story we read today. And Mary has already said, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me just as you have said. By the time we picked up our reading, Mary has already said yes to God. But I imagine, I imagine there was a moment when Mary found herself wondering, what in the world did I say yes to? I don't know when it happened. Maybe it happened as she sat there watching the look on her parents' faces as she told them what was happening 
to her, what was happening in her. Maybe it happened during that long silence, just after she told Joseph, you know, Joseph, her fiancé, her fiancé that she never had sex with. Maybe it happened in that long silence after she explained to Joseph that she was pregnant. Maybe it happened when she began wondering what the people in town were going to think about her, what the people in town were going to say about her when she showed up at the bridal shop with her wedding dress and asked him to let the waist out a little bit because, no, that probably didn't happen that way. I don't think they had bridal shops back then. I don't even know if they had wedding dresses back then. But I imagine they had village gossips back then. (laughs) And I imagine there was a moment when Mary wondered what the people in town were going to say about her as she became increasingly, obviously pregnant. I don't know when it happened, but I imagine there was a moment when Mary found herself thinking, what in the world did I just say yes to? And so it was, Luke tells us, that at that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a village in the hill country of Judea. See, when the angel showed up to talk to Mary, when Gabriel explained to Mary what was about to happen to her, he also told her about her relative Elizabeth. Her relative Elizabeth, who was well past childbearing years, yet the angel said, your relative Elizabeth is already with child and will soon give birth. And so as Mary, I imagine, as Mary is wondering, what in the world did I just say yes to? She gets ready and she heads to Judea to go see the one person she expects might possibly be able to understand what she was going through. The one person she knows who knows what it's like to be miraculously, unexpectedly expecting. So she gets ready and heads to Elizabeth's house. At this point, I think we need to change gears a little bit in our story, though, because so far we're imagining the story from from Mary's perspective. I'd like you to consider the story for a moment from, from Elizabeth's perspective as well. Maybe you don't know much about Elizabeth. When it comes to people, Mary and Elizabeth are quite different. Mary is young. Elizabeth is old. Mary is unmarried and a virgin. Elizabeth has been married for decades and has been trying for years and years and years to have a child. Elizabeth is from the priestly line of Aaron. She can trace her genealogy back to to Moses' brother Aaron, you know, the first high priest of Israel. Had Elizabeth been born a boy, she probably would have grown up to be a priest herself, but she wasn't, and instead she married somebody who was. Zechariah, her husband, was also from Aaron's line. Uh, Zechariah, her husband, was also from the priestly division of Abijah, we're told. He serves as a priest in the temple And they are wed, and they've been trying for years to have a baby. Zechariah and Elizabeth, Luke tells us, are righteous people. Very careful to obey all of God's commands and observe all of God's laws. In fact, blameless is the word that Luke uses to describe Zechariah and Elizabeth's obedience. You might say Zechariah and Elizabeth were 
were righteous in the sight of God. In fact, Luke does say that about them. Yet they still have no child. Proof, if you will, that childlessness is not a punishment for God because Elizabeth and Zechariah did nothing to deserve that, yet here they were without, without a child. Here they were without a child until just recently. See, Zechariah had been in the temple serving as a priest. He'd been in the sanctuary burning the incense that represented the prayers that rose up before God, the prayers of the people that rose to God's own throne. And as Zechariah is burning the incense, he's adding prayers of his own. He's praying about his situation doubtlessly. And as he's doing that, as he's burning the incense, and as he's praying to God, suddenly there in the temple is somebody else. It's the angel Gabriel, the same angel who later on in the story will show up and announce to Mary that she's going to have a son. Angel Gabriel shows up in the temple to speak to Zechariah, and he says to Zechariah, he says to Zechariah, here's what's going to happen. When you go back home, your wife Elizabeth is going to get pregnant. She's going to give you a son, and you're going to name him John. And sure enough, long story short, some details left out, Zechariah goes back home, and not too much longer after that, his wife Elizabeth gets pregnant. And now these two older people are expecting their very first child. Elizabeth knew what it meant to be suddenly, miraculously, unexpectedly expecting. And so Mary, when Mary is thinking about what in the world did I just say yes to, Elizabeth is the place where she turns. The one person she imagines can understand what she's going through. She heads off to the hill country of Judea where Zechariah and Elizabeth get there. But think about this story from Elizabeth's perspective for a moment. Elizabeth, who's been scrupulously obeying God, who is being very careful to obey absolutely every single one of God's commands, yet for all of these years has been unable to have a child, and here comes Mary, unmarried, teenager, probably, pregnant, without even trying. Can you imagine how that must have made Elizabeth feel? Knowing that, what kind of, what kind of welcome would you expect Mary to get when she showed up at her righteous and blameless relative's house, unmarried and pregnant? As a pastor, I can tell you what kind of welcome I hope she would receive. I can tell you the kind of welcome I, I hope she, Elizabeth would show, but sadly, as a pastor, I can also tell you the kind of reception I would expect. Because I've, I've been around righteous and blameless people, and I've seen how sometimes long-term Christians who've forgotten what it's like to struggle, treat people who are struggling. And hear me now, church. When somebody, when a long-time Christian has, in my experience at least, when a long-time Christian has forgotten what it means to struggle, 
it's not because their character and their conduct has been so closely conformed to the likeness of Jesus Christ that obedience just comes natural to them. In my experience, when a believer forgets what it's like to struggle, it's because they've become so comfortable and so complacent in their comparative rightness. I'm not talking about righteousness. When they become so comfortable and complacent in their comparative rightness that they start striving, they've stopped striving to be more like Jesus, figuring they're good enough already. And I've seen what happens when someone like that meets a Mary. So as a pastor, as I read, Mary got ready and she hurried down to the hill country of Judea, a part of me cringes inside. Because I know what to expect when she gets to her righteous and blameless relative's house. Fortunately, that fear is unfounded. Because Elizabeth is full of the Holy Spirit. You catch that in that story, right? Elizabeth isn't just righteous and blameless. She is filled with God's Holy Spirit. And when Mary shows up at Elizabeth's house, Elizabeth welcomes her warmly. She takes her in. She makes her feel at home. Elizabeth doesn't hold back. Luke tells us in a loud voice, Elizabeth greets and blesses Mary. Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear, she says. And Elizabeth acts like it's her privilege to have Mary in her home. Consider this, Elizabeth at this point is six months pregnant. And this girl shows up to stay for a few months. But Elizabeth doesn't treat her like she's some sort of imposition. She does not treat Mary like she's some sort of inconvenience. She acts like Mary is an honored guest and it is her privilege to have Mary in her home. Who am I? Why am I so favored, Elizabeth says, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Not only that, she names and she celebrates the grace she sees growing in Mary sound of your greeting reached my ears. The baby in my womb leaped for joy, Elizabeth says. I know there's grace at work here. She commends Mary for her openness and her obedience to God. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord will keep his promises to her. When pregnant, unmarried Mary shows up at the home of righteous and blameless Elizabeth, Elizabeth welcomes her. Elizabeth blesses her. Elizabeth treats her like an honored guest and names the grace she sees at work in Mary's life and commends her for her openness and her obedience to God. Oh God, make us more make us more like Elizabeth, right? Who are you in this story? Where do you fit in? As you're listening to this day, what what's your part in this Christmas pageant? 
maybe you are an Elizabeth. And you can be an Elizabeth no matter how old you are, and you can be an Elizabeth no matter what gender you might be. Maybe you are like Elizabeth in this story, righteous and blameless. Maybe you have been saying yes to God for a long time now. Maybe you have been following Jesus Christ so long that that this Christianity thing seems comfortable to you. If so, if you are an Elizabeth today, can I ask you a question? None of you say yes. Too bad, I already did. Here's another one. If you're an Elizabeth today, how are you greeting the Marys that you meet? If you're Elizabeth today, how are you greeting the Marys that you meet? We've not become so accustomed to grace we've forgotten what it feels like to need it. Have we? See, you and I both need grace every single moment. In fact, rely on God's grace with every single breath that we take. If we are an Elizabeth today, well acquainted with God's grace, then we of all people, should know what it's like to receive grace. And if we of all people know what it's like to receive grace, we of all people should be the first to show grace to others. If you're an Elizabeth today, how are you greeting the Marys that you meet? Are you speaking blessings? Or condemnation? How are you doing at welcoming them? When they show up, do you, do you treat them like an inconvenience? Or an honored guest? How are you doing at making place at the table for them? How good are you doing at recognizing and celebrating the grace that you see at work in them? How good are you doing at commending their openness and their obedience to God, however imperfect it might be? If you're in Elizabeth today, how are you greeting the Marys that you I'm Elizabeth. Maybe you're a Mary. Paul saying yes to God thing is is new to you. I I don't know who it was, but maybe when you said yes this morning to whoever invited you to come to church today, it was the first time in a long time you said yes to anything that had anything to do with God. That's the case. First of all, can I just say thanks for being here? Seriously, truly, thank you for saying yes to God today. Because while it might have been mom or dad or grandma or grandpa or a friend or co-worker, maybe you're just driving down the road thinking it's Christmas, I need to be in church, let's go here. I don't know who it was that put it in your head to be here, but whoever it was, whoever it was that put the idea of being here in your head today, it was God through His Holy Spirit who put it in your heart to actually follow through and show up. 
you very easily could have been somewhere else today. But you said yes, and you're here. Can I say thank you? Can I say thank you? That yes needs to be recognized and celebrated. Not only that, the other thing I'd like to tell you is you've come to the right place. That's not to imply that somehow we are the only right place around. That's not what I mean. Definitely not. But I do believe we are one of the right places to be if you're saying yes to God. Because if there is anyone in Anderson who knows what it's like to receive God's grace, there are people here in this room who know what it's like to receive God's grace. Right? Right, church? God has been good to us. Ask anyone who's a follower of Jesus Christ. God has been good to us and he has been far better to us than we deserve. We know what it means to need grace. We know what it means to receive grace. And the fact of the matter is, there was a time when every single one of us was in the place where you are today. There was a place when every single one of us was was new to saying yes to God. Every single one of us said a first yes. And I imagine a lot of us have had a moment when we said to ourselves, what in the world did I just say yes to? But we can tell you. We can tell you if you asked. That saying yes to God has made all the difference in the world for us. See, when we started saying yes to God, God turned our life upside down. When we started saying yes to God, God changed our lives. When we started saying yes to God, He started giving us forgiveness in the place of condemnation. When we started saying yes to God, He started He, he began giving us freedom in the place of addiction and bondage. When we started saying yes to God, He gave us peace in the place of fear and anxiety. He gave us family in the place of loneliness, acceptance instead of rejection, reconciliation instead of alienation. When we started saying yes to God, He started to give us hope in the place of despair. When we said yes to God, He gave us a future to look forward to rather than a past to regret. Saying yes to God, He gave our lives purpose and meaning. He gave us something bigger than ourselves to be a part of and something something worthwhile to invest our lives in. See, there was a time when we said our first yes to God and wondered what in the world did we just get into. But when we started saying yes to God, He made all the difference in the world for us. And if you'll say yes to God, I for you. That's the promise of hope. If you will say yes to God, all the different for you. Starting to say yes to God is fairly easy. The Bible promises us that if we will confess our sins, and that's a churchy way of saying simply admitting what we all know is true. 
acknowledging and agreeing with God that yes, I have disobeyed you, I have done my own thing, I have gone my own way, and I desperately need your grace. The Bible tells us if we will do that, if we will confess our sins, God is faithful and just, and he will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It's 1 John 1.9 if you want to look it up later. I don't always give that reference out, but it's 1 John 1.9. The Bible also tells us that if we will confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. Romans chapter 10, 9 and 10, if you want to look it up later. Confess him as Lord, that's a, a fancy churchy way of saying if we'll say yes to God. If we'll say to God, you are in charge. I, I've seen what a mess I've seen what a mess I make of my own life when I take charge. I want you to take charge now. You show me what to do. You tell me what you desire, and I will say yes to you. That's what it means to confess him as Lord. And the Bible says if we will do that and trust in him and what he has done for us, we will be saved. It's the promise. It's the promise. You'll start saying yes to God. He'll make all the difference in the world. So whether you're a Mary or an Elizabeth today, are you saying yes? This has been a live recording from our Sunday morning service. Thanks again for listening. If you'd like to join us, we gather for worship every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. at 530 West 53rd Street in Anderson, Indiana. You can find out more about us online at SouthdaleNAZ.com. Again, that website is SouthdaleNAZ.com. Now go into peace and be a blessing.